I really didn't want to preach on the Ephesians passage today at all because it's very intense, but it's also very necessary. And then to kind of like prove the point, I just lost the first page of the sermon, so bear with me. It's an important text. Let us pray. Lord God, fill this place with your Holy Spirit because, frankly, we need you, Lord, and we need your Spirit. We ask that the truth about the condition of the world will just be squarely in front of our faces as we read this text. And I pray most earnestly that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together will be acceptable to you. For you are our Lord and our Redeemer. Amen. Even at my advanced age, when I go and visit my parents, which I just did last weekend for their 65th anniversary, my mother puts in the refrigerator my special brand of ginger ale, and she puts in the refrigerator my special brand of Greek yogurt, and I feel so loved. And then I go to my brother's house where I usually sleep, and in the bedroom where I stay are freshly cut flowers from the garden. And I realize that these signs, these indications of love are so great and so needed that I can sleep, and I usually can't sleep very well. But those kind, that kind of love is just scraping the surface. There is also the kind of love that we feel and experience when people actually share our burdens when people actually tell us the truth, when people pray for us in ways that are so intimate and so raw and so deep, we can't believe that God has put people in our life to pray for us in this way. Love. Then we have this passage, which I am convinced is one of the biggest love gifts given to us as followers of Christ believers of Christ, because if you are a believer in Christ, you will experience attack. I'm not offering this as a suggestion or a philosophy. It's the truth. If you're serious about Christ and his radical way of being in the world, we will experience attack. Sometimes it's in black and white. Sometimes we can see it for exactly what it is. If we admit to being a follower of Christ to an ISIS militant, we will be tortured. We will lose our heads. But in our fuzzy, spiritually muted, confused cultural context, where many don't know what they believe or if they believe or if it even matters to believe or have faith, Evil exerts itself in maintaining the confusion. So whenever clarity about Christ emerges, evil powers are alerted and they are set to destroy. And that is the gift that we are given is to accept this reality, know this reality, and the gift is in the armor. Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. Be strong in the Lord begins the tremendous love gift be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. There is nothing more powerful than the living Christ. In Christ is power and put it 
on. Make this a choice, a deliberate spiritual act, a true effort. Put on the full armor of God so you can take a stand against the devil's schemes, Scripture says. The devil schemes to destroy. To destroy hope. He whispers in our ears, you're a fool to hope. He schemes to destroy trust. No one is trustworthy, we hear in our ear. Or if there is a trustworthy person or two, there sure aren't many of them. He will say doubt and live with cynicism as your guide. But here's the worst thing. He will try to convince us that dynamic love, agape love, doesn't really exist. And this is the love which forgives. The devil wants us to think that forgiveness is impossible in certain cases. Evil tells us we're better off on our own. Forget about unity. People are not trustworthy enough to disclose our vulnerability to embrace. But then we learned in this passage, and believe me, I would never come up with this on my own. This has to be God. It is so radical. In this passage, people, flesh and blood, is the way it's stated, are not the problem. People aren't the problem. Evil and the way evil uses people, that's the problem. And it's a cosmic force. People have the divine spark within them. We are made in the image of God. His handiwork is beautiful and complete. People are not the problem. Evil tells us we don't need each other and in that way destroys our sense of equality because evil plants seeds of superiority and on the other side of the coin plants seeds of inferiority. I alone know and I alone have the answer or I alone is so flawed that I'm beyond repair. God works in us and works in groups and works in community guided by the Holy Spirit so that we can resist the schemes of evil together. And scripture says, and here it is, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Humanity is not the problem. Evil is attached to human weakness. And the power of evil is cosmic. We're standing, this is scripture, against powers of the dark world, against hierarchies and categories of evil, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms, and it is cosmic. Therefore, it says, and here is the love gift, put on the armor of God. Not just put on the armor, put on the full armor of God. And what I've learned is that whatever armor I can put on helps a lot. And I have heard that if we put on the full armor of God, evil is impenetrable. But to be real honest with you, I don't know of one person who has ever been able to wear the entire armor. 
but it is a worthy, and I mean really worthy, goal. Evil wants everything, so everything must be protected. Evil wants to grab our thoughts. And in the next 24 hours, I'm going to tell you something. I will have a moment of dread that I have been a fool to talk to you about this. And I think it's because it's so outside our culture. People don't want to hear it. And also, there is this fear. We don't have two gods, God and the devil. We have God. And we've already conquered the devil. But his power to deny it is foolish. We must be able to stand our ground, it goes on, and stand firm with the belt of truth around your waist. Okay, here's the thing. When we talk about circumstances in life, things that go on in our community, things that go on in our families, everyone believes that they have the truth. And I just came back from this family reunion and my brothers and I recount and go back over our history. Well, there are times when we hear the family stories and you expect a little hyperbole, a little exaggeration, and you just go with it. But this wasn't that. We were actually trying to say, what happened? We, what happened with our family pets? That was the subject. Did we live in this place when we had Lucky the dog or this place when we had Lucky the dog? We couldn't agree. And the worst was we had a cat, Fuzzy the gray cat. And one of my brothers says that cat never existed and he's the one that pulled it around by its tail. <laughs> we think we know the truth. Earthly life circumstances, the truth in Ephesians isn't about earthly episodes in life. The belt of truth around you is the truth about Christ because the truth is Christ and he actually makes the statement and says, I am the truth. Truth is loving forgiveness. As we shall see, truth is peace. He blesses peacemakers. And if there is anything that evil hates, it is peace. When we are at peace, evil has very little to work with and evil destroys peace. It flames up embers of doubt and mistrust and blame and criticism. No one has the complete truth about the way the world works, but we may have the complete truth about Christ in that his love is active, his love is complete, his love is unending. With the breastplate of salvation in place, the scripture says, a righteousness that comes from God through Christ. Our righteousness is through the grace of God. One reason Jesus despised the self-righteousness of the Pharisees is that they would say, I'm right. I'm absolutely right. Not only that, I'm good. I'm 90% good to 100% good. And the Pharisees believed in their own perfect righteousness. And Jesus said, enough enough. It is God who is good. It is God who is just. It is God who is holy. It is God who is powerful. It is God who is all-knowing. It is God who saves through his son, Jesus Christ.
And then the scripture says, and your feet will be fitted for readiness that comes, and here it is, from the gospel of peace. Peace internalized allows us to move quickly for his purposes. It's fear that immobilizes. And in addition to all this, he says, take up the shield of faith. It's this huge oblong shield that covers all vital organs with which we can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And the flaming arrows are indisputably the words that destroy and hurt our hearts. I envy thick-skinned people, I really do. I don't know of anyone who is open to spiritual things who doesn't feel everything. Thick-skinned people, if they exist, already have some kind of protection. But it's not just words that are arrows. 90% of communication is nonverbal. And there's a lot of messages that can be sent. And the best communication is face-to-face. But we know in our hearts that that is kind of risky. So we hide behind emails and quick ways to communicate things which need to be talked about one-on-one. Every single church, and I learned this early on in ministry, and I assume that you all know this, but maybe you don't. Every church that is honestly seeking Christ demonstrates tremendous love for each other. But there is the other side of the coin. We know that we always hurt the ones we love, the ones that matter most. So very loving places are especially susceptible to hurting each other. There are reasons that the fruits of the Holy Spirit are pounded into us throughout the epistles. Gentleness, compassion, peace, joy. It's because the stakes are so huge. When arrows are directed toward members of the body of his church, we're wounding Christ. So this is the body. Every single church that praises Christ, worships Christ, is his body. And when we hurt a member of the body, we are inflicting wounds on Christ. Inflicting wounds. But we have great news in grace. Every time we take the sacrament of communion, and we probably should talk about this more, we are reunited. We are repaired. We are mended. We are forgiven. It's the bread that, as Bill read, feeds us. But it's the blood that heals us. In the meantime, when arrows come our way, Use the shield of faith. It's the greatest Christ-like act of love. It is agape love. Listen to this because I just got it. It's an act of agape love to not let another person's piercing, destructive words penetrate because in that love we are offering them grace and not allowing them to wound the body of Christ. You get this? If someone hurts and you put up the shield and don't take it in, we've given them a break. We've given them a love gift. 
we've given them the kind of love that the world says doesn't exist because the world says revenge. We've given them the opportunity to not wound the church when we don't receive the attacks. And, you know, you might be thinking that, oh, Pastor Linda is talking about our church. I'm talking about every church my dad has ever served. I'm talking about every church I've ever been involved in. When there is love, there is the other side of the coin. And this extraordinary agape love that we can offer is, I'm not taking in damaging words because I don't want you to be responsible for wounding Christ. Take the helmet of salvation, which is what protects our brains from destructive thoughts, often emanating from anxiety and despair. The helmet of salvation, it should say, through Christ we are saved, right on the helmet. But I'm talking about really saved, saved from ourselves, saved from evil, saved from death and destruction. We are saved. We are being saved. We will be saved. Do you realize what good news this is? And then the final culminating protection against evil, the biggest gift at the end, near the end of this chapter, is constant prayer. That's the gift. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions, it says. With all kinds of prayer, do not fall into the trap of thinking. We can compartmentalize some parts of our life and not pray about it. He is our Lord and Savior, and he is the center of our existence. What does that really mean? It means that we pray for our strength and the strength of others. We pray, pray for clarity because we don't have access to the truth on earth. We pray for creative solutions. Have you ever noticed that when you're with a group in prayer, praying about how to do something, and the prayer is over, and the ideas flow like a river? Pray for peace. Pray for discernment. Pray for guidance. Pray for each other. Pray for truth. Pray for healing. Pray for thanksgiving. Worship and praise God in our prayers because he is the truth, and he is the way. And he is the life. Let us pray. Lord, this passage is such a gift. And there is so much grace in its words. Help us to receive the truth about you so that we can truly be set free to serve you in Jesus' name. Amen.